I want to talk to you this morning about a very simple message. Actually, it's about two words. Two single syllable words. I'm trying to keep this real, real basic, you know? Two single syllable words. They're words that we've all used throughout our Christian experience. If you grew up in church, you heard them in Sunday school from the time that you were wee high. If you're in Christian schools, you hear them used all the time. They're two words that our Christian parents, hopefully, have taught us. And incidentally, they're two words that appear hundreds of times throughout the Scripture. Those words are trust God. What could be a more simple theme for a message. You might say, how much could you say about trust God? It really is an all-encompassing statement, isn't it? Could you just say it with me? Trust God. I think we all know by now that even though we still have imprinted on our money as a nation, in God we so many do not. When I was a child, I'll never forget a very threatening experience. My parents believed in um, giving me every advantage to, uh, they wanted me to learn how to swim. They knew a lot of people who had had swimming accidents, water incidents, and they said, we, all of our kids must learn to swim. So from the time I can remember, I had swimming lessons. And I loved it, and I loved the water, and uh, still do. And uh, as a family, we've always really enjoyed water sports. But I remember learning to swim, and I remember going through all the different classes repeatedly every year. There was one particular pool that we uh, regularly used, and it had, in that pool, it was an Olympic-sized pool, so it had, not like a lot of pools today, back in those days, there was a shallow end, and there was a deep end. You rarely ever see that in community pools today for safety reasons. But this was, you know, three foot at the shallow end and probably 20 foot at the deep end. At the deep end of this pool, and it was a long pool, they always had strung uh, in between, right at about the five to six foot mark, they always put in a barrier there. So us learners and beginners would always be kept on one side of the barrier. Don't go to the deep end until you're really a good swimmer. I developed pretty good swimming skills, was pretty good, went through all the classes, got all the badges, got all the certificates, and I was a pretty good swimmer. But I had a fear of the deep end. And not only was there a deep end at this pool, there were diving boards. There was a shallow diving board, and there was even a high diving board that, to me, was the most intimidating thing I could ever imagine. I was gripped with such a fear of getting into the deep water, even though I knew how to swim well. I just couldn't imagine. So my, my parents would say, come on, Bob, you need to go to the deep end. No, no, thank you. My brothers and sisters, come on, we need to go to the deep end. No, thank you. All my friends, they'd go to the deep end, they'd jump in off the diving board, they'd swim back to the shallow end. Not me, not me. This went on for years. I finally had an experience of breakthrough. And it was a family friend who was an adult who had the gift of encouragement. And this family friend decided that he was going to help me conquer, he didn't tell me this, he was going to help me conquer my fear of the deep end. Bobby, look, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to get in the water. 
I'll get in there in the deep end. I said, but you can't stand. It's all right. I'm really good swimmer. I will be right there in the 20-foot water, and I want you to get up on the diving board, the low one. Thank God. The low one. And I want you to jump to me. Oh, no, no, no. But look, I'm going to be here. All you got to do is jump. No, for certain. I'm going to be here to catch you when you jump in the water. It took a long discussion and a lot of persuasion. But finally, I went around, got up on the diving board. I remember walking out the diving board, looking out of that water thing. I'd walk back off the board, and then, and then he would give me a word of encouragement. I'd say, oh, okay. Walk back out to the diving board, look around. Nobody was out there but just him. Finally, I was able to get up enough courage to just take that leap off the board. Sure enough, to my shock and dismay, he was there, caught me as I went into the water, and that experience broke the fear and the mistrust. And from that point on, I had no problems in the deep end and have enjoyed the deep end ever since. Here's some pictures of me. Okay, it's not me, but anyway, you, you get the idea. That was the experience. You know, my experience is that trust is simply not an easy thing to do in the world in which we live. Trust is actually a challenge, and the reason is because there's a lot of distrustful, mistrust people in the world. There's a lot of people who will betray our trust. Ever noticed? I think we've all, if you've lived for very long at all, you've had your trust betrayed. Someone gave me a list one day. I thought I'd share it with you. It's not an inspired list, but anyway, it is a list. It's a list of people that has said, never trust these people. Right? So I'm going to share it with you because I think it would be great, great education. Never trust a used car salesman who says, this car is in good running condition. Never trust someone who says, I'll never tell anyone else. Never trust a preacher who says, in conclusion. <laughs> Y'all be nice. All right. Next one. Never trust someone that says, the check's in the mail right? Never trust the dog owner who says, don't worry, he's never bitten anyone before. <laughs> never trust someone who says, don't worry, we'll never get caught. Never trust someone who says, you go down here, <laughs> you turn left, you turn right, you can't miss it. Never trust someone who says, but I never inhaled. Sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. It, it was simply on the list, all right? I'm sorry. I didn't. I'm just reading. Never trust a dentist. I'm trying to cover all the bases here today. Never trust a dentist who says, this will only hurt a little. 
and never trust someone who says, I can stop any time I want. What's the issue? Our world is filled with situations and people that add to our mistrust. We live in a distrusting world. Who can you trust? Did you know that King Solomon provides us the answer? And a scripture that actually was probably one of the very first scriptures I ever memorized as a child beyond John 3.16. And this is it. And many of you know this scripture. If not, you don't know it by memory, you at least are very familiar with it. And it says this. It's found in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your paths that's a you know sometimes familiarity with god's word is our greatest enemy do you know that because the word of god is not just any book it's inspired amen it's inspired scripture and sometimes we, we, we breeze by a scripture or we pass by we say, oh, I don't, I've already read that. I mean, I'm, I know that verse. I've read it a hundred times. And we miss some, something that where it's pregnant with some new revelation and meaning for us. I think this is one of those scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I want to share with you this morning four very simple, straightforward, salient lessons on trusting God. You ready for them? Number one, simple lessons on trusting God. Number one, trust God with everything. What does the scripture say? Trust in the Lord with, with all your heart. I think Solomon and the Holy Spirit is trying to emphasize the fact that some of us have a tendency to trust God with certain segments and fractions of our lives. Certain things that are held back in reserve, kind of the ace in the hole approach, or back in the closet where we don't think God knows it's there, will hold certain things back. In other words, we're not wholehearted in our trusting God. We begin to trust him little by little, kind of like me at the diving board. We trust him little bit by little bit, but the admonition here is trust God with what? With all your heart. God is not interested in half-hearted trust from his people. He asks and he requires a total trusting of our lives to him. The scripture provides us many examples of this. We can learn greatly from it. Doesn't the scripture tell us uh, about a man named Abraham who went to the top of Moriah, the mountain. We'll talk about Abraham twice today. He went to the top of Mount Moriah in direct obedience to God when God said, take your son Isaac. Do you remember how long he waited for Isaac? Special son of promise. Take him up to the mountaintop and kill him. Can you imagine that? Scholars tell us that Isaac was probably 17 to 18 years old when Abram took him to the top of Mount Moriah. I've never figured out, by the way, how he got Isaac's cooperation as an 18-year-old to get up on top of that altar. Anyway, that's another lesson for another day. But we do know that Abram's side of it was a heart of obedience. Think about the level of trust that Abram had to have to take his own 
son of promise that he waited for 25 years. Some of you said, I've been waiting for a baby. Have you waited 25 years? 25 years. Supernatural impartation. He takes the boy up onto the mountaintop for worship. Puts him on top of the altar that they built with their own hands. Takes a knife. And this, is, by the way, is a famous painting regarding that incident. Takes a knife ready to thrust it through his son, Isaac. And at that, God stopped him just in the nick of time. And, of course, we know the story that provided a substitute ram instead. Sometimes we may forget how much trust it took for Abram to do that. He trusted God. It wasn't just an issue of obey God, just obey God, kind of rigid, legalistic. It was an issue of trust. He, the Bible tells us, trusted that if he actually had the killing, that the promises that God had made already regarding his son would still come true because if God had to, he'd simply raise Isaac from the dead. That's trust. Trust God with everything. Trust God with your family. Trust God with your kids. Trust God with your finances. Trust God with your job. Trust God with your future. Trust God with your thought life. Trust God with your marriage. Trust God with everything, 100%. In 1991, the Hills decided to move from Texas to Virginia. Little did Carrie know exactly where Virginia was and how far Virginia was from her home in Texas. But I knew that we were entering a season of life where transition was being required, and that was the next step. We resigned what we were doing in church work there, took our teenage boys moving lock stock and barrel her driving one vehicle me driving a truck pulling a boat behind it with cats and i think i made sure the cat was with you right yeah that wasn't fun and screaming teenagers can you imagine as i'm driving across the u.s and i'm sure carrie thought the same thing and I actually remember where this thought hit me the most. There were two times. One, we, we had hit major congestion going through Atlanta. Okay. The second time it hit me, this thought, this thought of, what are we doing? Was when we went from, when we got from I-95 to Highway 58 at Emporia. And when we, I remember saying to Carrie, we stopped for gas, and I said, we're there! Hallelujah! We have arrived! We're in Virginia, and we are there! Look, we're there! Little did we know, we still had an hour and a half to two hours to go. <laughs> How many of you have ever thought when you get to Emporia, you're already there? But you ain't there yet, honey. You still got a long ways to go from Emporia, right? We trusted God. We didn't know a person here in the state. No one. We just knew God had given us direction to go. It takes a lot of trust. We didn't have a job. We didn't know where income was coming from. We didn't have relationships. But we have to learn to trust God with everything. Number two, second lesson on trust. Trust God's timing. Now this one's tough. Trust God's timing. 
How many of you have already made the important discovery in your Christian experience that God's time doesn't line up with your time? This is like, it's like, duh, but it's, it just, you have to go through stuff before you find out, you know? His timing just doesn't usually line up with mine. Sometimes we have this saying that God is an 1159 God, meaning what? I'll remember, never forget what someone told me. They said, listen, you can always count on this, Bobby. God is rarely early, but he's never late. He's rarely early, but he's never late. We can count on God always coming through based on what he says. Back to the story of Abraham, the scripture actually tells us in Romans, describing the life of Abraham, it says this, against all hope, Abraham and hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead since he was about 100 years old. And Sarah's wife, her womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. There are times in life where we experience these unfulfilled moments and we're longing and impatient inside for the not yet seen fulfillment of our destiny. And yet we must learn to simply trust God. Years of life may pass with a sense of waiting, How many of you figured that out? The promise that God has given to us about something in life simply isn't happening yet. No matter how much we struggle or what we try, we can't make it happen. All we can do is wait. Moses waited for 40 years for his destiny. Abraham waited 25. Jesus waited 18. David waited 15 or so. Joseph nearly 20. The biblical pattern is simple, and that is that once God speaks, many times, most times, I will venture to say, there is a time to trust His timing. Not easy, but most of us have learned that we can't make our destinies happen in our own strength and in our own way. I hope that you will also learn to trust God's timing. Several years ago, when we launched this church, for two and a half years, I, 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 I remember making an agreement. We had a core group that was meeting every other week. Quite a number of our people in the core group, which was very small, said, we really want to start meeting on weekends. I said, well, we don't have a place to meet. We have been searching and searching and searching property and leases and everything, and nothing would work. Nothing would work. So we made an agreement with the Methodist Church to meet at their building on Saturday night. Gracious, wonderful pastor. And loud as it wasn't exactly in the location we wanted, but it was okay. And so we started meeting there for two and a half years we met there. I remember the first week that I met with the pastor and I said, listen, pastor, you don't really have to worry about us being here too long because a couple of months we're going to be gone. We're out of here. He said, oh, that's fine. You know, as long as you need to be. One month, two months, six months. One year, I remember going back to the pastor and said, uh, could we get an extension on that deal? <laughs> so we're still looking, I promise you. We're putting every effort we can into looking. My plan was within six months of meeting on Saturday night, we'd meet on Sunday morning. That was the plan all along. 
But it didn't happen for two and a half years. Two and a half years. If I would have known when we started that it was going to take two and a half years on Saturday nights, George, I I hope I could have obeyed. Isn't God wise not to usually tell us ahead how long the wait is? Isn't that good? I'm so thankful he doesn't do that. Two and a half years before we signed a lease and found this space that we could finish out. Of course, then it took four or five months to finish it in January before we moved in. We're so thankful. But I want you to know something. God's timing is always perfect. And there's always a reason. And there's usually a lot of reasons. One of the reasons for us is it allowed us to save money. We kept saving money. Saving money because we knew the day was going to come. We're going to need that money. So we just kept putting money aside. And the longer we waited on Saturday night, more money we could just sock away. Isn't God good? But we have to trust his timing. Third lesson. Trust God when you face adversity. Difficult times disappointing times the truth of the matter is that many times life simply doesn't make sense anybody found that out there are times that things happen and you love god and you know his word and you go scratch your head and you say i I just don't get this but god wants us to trust him when life doesn't make sense he wants us to trust him when we face unexpected circumstances The scripture reference that's on the screen is one I won't go into, but you may recall it for later. It's 1 Samuel chapter 30. It's the story of David and his men at Ziklag when the Amalekites, on a day when the army was out, terrorists attacked and took all the kidnapped, the mothers and the children, and burnt the village to the ground, only to see David and his men return and see this devastation. And their hearts were broken, devastated not knowing if their families were alive or dead. It says that they wept bitterly until they had no more strength to cry anymore. And then they were actually going to stone David. How many of you know we want to blame someone when things don't go right in our life? Do you know? We want to put the blame somewhere. They wanted to stone David. And David had amazing trust. Instead of reacting, instead of taking up a rock, which I would have probably done, picked up and said, you you try to throw you, you try to stone me, I'm gonna throw this first. That's probably what I would have done. <laughs> but not David. The Bible simply says he turned and he looked to the Lord, and it says that he encouraged himself in the Lord. That's trusting when you face adversity. I could tell you so many stories of adversity. At this stage of life, I have so many stories it would take all day to tell you all the adversity stories. I'll just tell you, I was thinking, I said, what could I tell people that a lot of people don't know? Stuff that we've been through, because we've been through a lot. God's always been faithful. What you may not know is we have two grown sons, 36 and 38, and four grandchildren, which we'll continually tell you about. You just need to be thankful that I'm not always throwing photographs of them. Very, very delighted with our kids and our grandchildren what you may not know is that after our two boys were fairly young carrie got pregnant again with our third child a girl oh we had longed for a girl lord give us a girl 
And I don't know how hard we were trying to have another baby. We just left it in his hands. And Carrie got pregnant. She conceived, and we were so excited. And then we found out that it was a girl. Oh, we were so excited. But midway through the pregnancy, Carrie had a miscarriage, and we lost our baby girl. Now, until you face the loss of life personally, whether it's an unborn child, whether it's a parent, whether it's a family member, or a close friend, that's an adversity that ranks up there pretty high. Wouldn't you agree? And the challenge is, how do we trust God when it doesn't make sense? And when your theology gets rocked, can you, someone say amen? When your theology will be like, well, and all I can tell you is God's comfort was so available we went through it didn't understand it but we knew that this precious unborn child Carice was in heaven with Jesus and that one day we'd see her and we will you have to trust God not just in good times can't just trust God when you're prospering. Can't just trust God when everybody's smiling at you. You got to trust God when people are attacking you. You got to trust God when things aren't going so well. Can someone say amen? Trust God when you face adversity. One more point and we're done this morning. Trust God because of who he is. One of the questions is, well, why can't we trust God? Why should I trust God? in the way that you're suggesting. I think it's because of this. We trust him because of who he is. It's because of his nature and his character that we should put our trust in him. Why? Because we should only trust those that are trustworthy. If you say to about somebody, oh, they're a really good person. They're a great business guy. They're trustworthy. What does that mean? You can give them your business. You can sign a contract with them. You can even shake hands with them. They'll deliver what they say. When they say something, they mean it. You can trust them. God is more trustworthy than anyone you can imagine. There are no better business bureau ratings enough, high enough to rate God's trustworthiness. Psalm 118.8 says, It's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust men. Say amen to that. It is better. Why? Because of who he is. His character, his nature become a bedrock foundation for our personal trust. And just to list a few, he is good. He is love. He is all-powerful. He's sovereign. He's omniscient. He knows all. He's all-powerful. He is just. Life may not make sense, but God is just. And in his side of things, he's got it all under control. That's why you can trust God today. And he does supernatural, extraordinary things. It's a part of his nature. Why? Do we often fail the trust test? As I was preparing this message, I thought, what's, what's our problem? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. 
And in all your ways, acknowledge him. And what? That's a good promise. Would you agree? That's pretty cool. He's going to guide us, but we have to trust him. Why do we fail the trust test? May I just tell you a couple of reasons? I wrote down these were personal, but I think they might just apply to you too. Because we're too self-sufficient. Too many times we're trained to trust our own efforts, our own abilities. Self-trust competes with divine trust. I wrote down, because we're really good at getting out of jams. Sometimes, so much so, that we actually short-circuit God's tests and lessons in our life. You can actually, through your own ingenious strategizing and conniving, miss what God's trying to teach you. I wrote down, sometimes because we trust people more than God. Why do we trust people more than God? You, if the world is so mistrusting and so lack of trustworthiness so often, why would we trust people more than God? It doesn't even make sense. I think the reason is because I can touch John. I can feel it. It's something tangible. Why do we, why do we trust money or why do we trust our job? It's, I think it's because it's, it's natural. It's tangible. It's something... Whereas God is invisible, it takes faith to trust God. I wrote down because sometimes we feel distant from God. That's why we don't trust Him. We're still walking by feeling and not enough by faith. I think Job had it right when he declares in Job 13, 15, Job said, though he slay me, yet will I trust Go meditate on that for a while. Though he slay me. We could put parentheses and list a lot of words there. Though he disappoint me. Though it doesn't make sense to me. Though sometimes I feel like he's not even, I, I can't even see the evidence of his promises. Job simply said this. Yet will I Trust God. And the last thing I wrote down for myself, maybe for you, is because we have cultivated the bad habit of worry. We've gotten really good at worry. Some of us are professional. And we are simply better at worrying than trusting. We try but don't trust. Here's how I want to conclude. There's one thing that I can promise you, absolutely certain today, and that is that every one of you sitting in this room, today or tomorrow or sometime this week, you're going to need someone to trust. You're going to need someone who is worthy and able to handle the weight of your life that you can lean on. And I want to say to you, I think trusting the right kind of people and trusting is an important thing to develop on a human level. And sometimes it has to be rebuilt. But trusting God 
is a non-negotiable. I will leave you with uh, a hymn. I'm not singing it. I'm going to leave you with the lyrics of a hymn, okay, that I used to sing growing up in the Baptist church. And I thought it's very fitting lyrics for closing this message. The title of the hymn is Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Here's how the verse goes. What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. And the refrain, leaning, leaning, safe and secure from all alarms, leaning, leaning leaning on the everlasting arms. Would you stand with me? Here's what I want to leave you with as our prayer teams come to the front. It took the right person in the deep end for me to take that leap. Take someone that you know you can lean on, who's got the ability, the strength, the whatever to, to hold you. If you lean hard, you ever played that game? Those little kids? So, all right, you, you close your eyes, you lean back, we'll catch you. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I've got bumps and bruises from that many times. Listen, he can handle it, and he won't let you fall. But he asked us today to simply trust him. Would you pray with me? If you're here today, maybe you've never put your trust in Jesus in a 100% way, I invite you to do that today. And after I pray this prayer, I'm going to ask that you come and that you declare that to these prayer teams that are here at the front. And tell them, let them pray with you and let them know the decision you've made. For those of us who already know Jesus, some of you have, have had distant experiences that have pushed you away from God. Some of you don't, you're just so full of mistrust, you barely came to church today. I want to pray for every one of us today that our trust life will expand. That we'll not be so self-sufficient. That we won't try to be escape artists maneuvering, manipulating. Let's just be trusting like little children, jumping off the diving board. Father, today we pray. We're thankful that your arms are so strong and you're so able to catch us. We're thankful for that. We ask that this day you would take us to new levels of trust. Let us focus and comprehend and even get a revelation of who you are in a deeper way. Father, we declare today, we will trust in the Lord with all our hearts. And in all of our ways, we will acknowledge you. We'll expect you to direct our paths. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.